since today is my uh, first time speaking from, from this stage, and uh, maybe even my first time speaking to many of you, I wanted to tell you a little bit about um, how I grew up and, and some of my story, because it's uh, going to be important in what we're going to talk about here in just a little bit. Uh, I grew up mostly uh, in, a, in a Christian family. Uh, in fact, if there was anybody that fit the description of uh, growing up in church, I was it. And what I mean by that is on Sunday mornings, we were, uh, we were in the church uh, twice, once for Sunday school, once for church, Sunday night. Uh, we were there for that, um, usually a little bit different program. And then even on Wednesday nights, uh, as I got older and into high school, I was actually involved in the uh, spotlight ministry. Um, Eastview Christian Church did uh, various uh, music programs, either for Easter or for Christmas, and I was always out there on the ledge with my spotlight, uh, shining down on the stage. Uh, so to say that I grew up in the church is not, not inaccurate. And as I was there, it was a very good thing, but I learned various things about Christianity uh, that maybe were just uh, not necessarily spoken outright, uh, but were believed. Things like, you were a Christian if you listened to this kind of music, and not a Christian if you listened to this kind of music. Um, or, or things that maybe not spoken. So then after high school, I went to uh, Bible college. Uh, there are two types of people that go to Bible college. Those that want to work in the church, those who want to either be preachers or youth leaders or or Sunday school uh, superintendents or whatever it is, um, and, and sometimes those are people that want to be in nonprofit accounting, uh, those kind of things. Those are the first kind of people that go there. The second kind are those that just want to get married. That they feel like that is the place to go for that. Um, and I didn't fit into either one of those, but that's okay. Um, so I went to Bible college, and again, there were things that were spoken and unspoken about what a Christian was, what they looked like. They exhibited these behaviors and not those behaviors. So let me let me tell you a little bit about an internship that I went on. Again, I was a preaching major, studying to be a preacher. Um, so I went to New Hampshire, and in New Hampshire, uh, my job was to teach the junior high Sunday school class. That was one of my functions, and I got to know the kids really well, uh, and I got invited to various people's homes because rather than pay you, they paid you in food. And so I got invited to several people's homes to, to eat dinner there. And I remember one specific house I got invited to. Uh, they invited me. Their two daughters uh, were in my Sunday school class. Uh, the mom came to church on a regular basis. And I had never met the husband. So I get to the house, uh, and he, he tells me, that we're, as we're getting ready to have dinner, he offers me a beer, uh, which I, I grew up in the Midwest. And in the Midwest... We had this cultural belief, whether spoken or not, I'm pretty sure it was pretty spoken. You don't drink beer. If you're, you profess to be a Christian, there's no way you drink beer. And so as soon as I get to this house in New Hampshire and get offered a beer, I really have an out-of-body experience because I was slightly offended at the idea that he would think that I would want one. And so I politely declined. And when I politely declined, he said this, and I'll never forget it. He said... Uh, you can go ahead and have a beer. You're off duty now. You're in my house. And I always laughed at that phrase, we're off duty. But let's talk about what that means here for a minute. Um, because we, we're studying this thing called culture of honor. And when we honor individuals, there's going to be this temptation that comes. 
to be offended. Let's pray before we get into the story. God, we just thank you for who you are. Holy Spirit, come and uh, speak to our hearts, speak through me, that you can show us uh, how to not only honor individuals, but uh, glorify you in the process. In Jesus' name, amen. This morning we're going to look in, in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 10. There is a story here uh, that I find fascinating uh, about, the, about the Apostle Peter. Peter is traveling with a man named Cornelius. Cornelius uh, is an amazing God-fearing man. We learn from this story that, that Cornelius is generous. He's not only generous, but he's so generous, in fact, that God visits him and thanks him for his generosity. That's pretty amazing. The other thing that God tells him is, thank you for being a great prayer. So Cornelius, who is traveling with Peter, has, has some very strong faith things going with him. And he and Peter are on their way to Joppa. God had told Cornelius he wanted him to go to Joppa. Peter decided to go along with him, and they're on their way to Joppa. And as they're on their way to Joppa, all of a sudden they start to get hungry. And, uh, I mean, it's probably a good journey, so they're hungry. They decide to go recline uh, at the roof of the house. Uh, apparently they were also doing some kind of social distancing because they climbed to the uh, top floor of the house and awaited their dinner. And while they were awaiting their dinner, Peter begins to pray. And he, as he's praying, he's got that hunger, prayer, trance thing going on. I think we've all been there. When the food's all ready, we're at a family function, and somebody says, you need to pray. And then you're like, oh, okay. So Peter's up there, and he's doing his prayer. And as he prays, he starts to get this vision. And in this vision, he begins to see these animals descending from the, from the sky. Sheep and goats and pigs and reptiles and birds. Various animals. And as he sees these animals, he hears the Lord say to him, kill and eat. Peter sees the vision again. Sees these animals coming down. He hears the phrase, kill and eat. And Peter immediately says to God, by no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. God says to Peter again with that vision, kill and eat. You can sense the frustration, the offense that Peter is taking because God is asking a man who is a Jew to eat foods that were strictly forbidden in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, we in the book of Leviticus, you can read all of the various animals that they were able to eat, not able to eat, what was clean, what was unclean. And Peter was offended that God would say to him, kill and eat. But Peter, when he gets defensive, almost irritated, he, he feels like he's, that God is, is not, not telling him the right thing. And so we look at my story, and again, I was offended by a phrase, just being offered a beer, and Peter is being told by God to eat some animals, that he always thought to be unclean. There was a skit in the late 90s that Dana Carvey made popular called The Church Lady. Uh, the Church Lady uh, is kind of like us. 
uh, she would uh, come to church. She would see some kids mess messing around in the back of the church, and she would be offended by what they were doing, but always with this phrase, well, look what so-and-so's doing. Isn't that special? That was her phrase. Uh, my favorite one she ever did, though, was Santa? If you rearrange those letters, it spells Satan. Coincidence? I don't think so. So the church lady and, and ourselves have a tendency sometimes to get offended. In fact, if, if you haven't been offended lately, you must have stayed off of social media for the last couple of days. The thing that makes offense bad in a culture of honor, the thing that makes it difficult in a culture of honor, is because our offense is usually at something instead of we want to make sure that it's not the person that we get offended with. Listen to what, um, what Brant Hansen says, and I'll tell you more about him in a minute, but the thing that makes your anger righteous is the thing that you're called to forgive. Have you noticed, I'm going to say it again, the thing that makes your anger righteous is the thing that you are called to forgive. Have you noticed that a lot of times the things that we take the deepest offense to, we're right about. I mean, we're right. But that's still what God's calling us to do. Because when we react in love rather than offense, we can create a culture that desperately wants to know what we have. And that's ultimately what our goal is in this, this series that we're doing. See, you see, the kingdom, the kingdom of love is this, this, this vehicle that travels, and when we travel that vehicle, we are able to, we are able to flourish and growth can begin. I can see you're concerned. Because sometimes I'm offended and I'm right. Sometimes when I'm offended, it's because somebody is actually saying something directly against me or the thing that I believe in. So, so what's my reaction supposed to be then? I'm glad you asked. Because Paul addresses it in Romans chapter 12, verse 17. I'm going to be reading from the Passion Translation. So let me read this to you and see what Paul has to say. Paul says this, Never hold a grudge or get even. But plan your life around the noblest way to benefit others. Do your best to live as everybody's friend, beloved. Don't be obsessed with taking revenge, but leave that to God's righteous justice. The scripture says, vengeance is mine, and I will repay, says the Lord. If your enemy is hungry, buy him lunch. Win him over with kindness, for your surprising generosity will awaken. His conscience and God will reward you with favor. Never let evil defeat you, but defeat evil with good. I want you to just think for a moment about the noblest way to benefit others. Man, we live in a world right now, don't we, where there are things going on every day, and there are signs everywhere that each person is acting in their own accord rather than in the noblest way to benefit others. Whether it's a political movement, where it's a whether it's a religious movement, whether it's an educational movement, whether it's a pandemic movement, there are so many things going on right now that, that interjecting with the noblest way to benefit others might just change the world. It also says in here, Paul says, don't be obsessed with revenge. I want you to think about the last movie that you went and saw 
it was an action movie. I mean, maybe you went to the movie theater, now we're talking, feels like ancient history. But maybe think about that movie and think about how many movies and their plot lines are based on that one simple topic, revenge. Here are some of my favorites. John Wick, they killed his dog. Wonder Woman, took her family. Wolverine, uh, very similar. They injected him with this stuff and didn't ask for his permission and changed his whole life. The Godfather, and ultimately my favorite Marvel character who hasn't been as big on the main screen is the Punisher. Let me tell you the Punisher story. Castle has a family, he has a wife, he has two kids. Everything is good for Castle. And then his wife and kids witness a murder committed by a mafia. The mafia comes in and they kill his family. The rest of the, the show, the rest of the movie, the rest of the comic book is him exacting his revenge upon the mafia. It's one of the finest movies because you love the way he takes care of the bad guys. He does it with murder, with kidnapping, with extortion, with threats. His entire campaign is one of vengeance. And Paul says here, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. He says the next thing, if your enemy is hungry, buy him lunch. Adam shared a quote by Bill Johnson this week, and I want you to think about it this way. Everything that the enemy throws at us are attempts to disengage us from the love of God. So even the coworker that has slammed you in a meeting, thrown you under the bus, it's the, it's the enemy's attempt to disengage you from the love of God and focus on being angry at them rather than loving the person that they are. Ultimately, we want to be an honoring culture that lets God be God and even go beyond that, according to Paul. Uh, again, I'm going to go back to Bray Hansen. Bray Hansen uh, wrote a book called Unoffendable. It's the most challenging book I've ever began to read, and I'm still not through it. And it's only about 125 pages. But he explains that as Christians, we have no right to be offended in anything. It's unbelievable. And he says this, and I, these words are amazing. Forgiveness means surrendering your claim to resentment and letting go of anger. There is something healing in that. If you can let go of that resentment and anger and just let it go and allow God to live through you. How many times do we have to do this? I mean, because let's be honest, those meetings aren't going to change overnight. Those those same people that I deal with in my neighborhood are still going to be there come Monday. Bob Goff says this in his book, Everybody Always. If I find a particularly difficult person to love, I make a game out of it. He said, I, go, I try to go five minutes by loving that person, by engaging that person, and if I make it five minutes, I say to myself, I know I got five more minutes in there, I just made it. That might be a challenge for each of you. Maybe it's uh, somebody at work, maybe it's somebody at school, but you can do that. Five, love them five minutes at a time. And Bob Goff does say that if you get 10 minutes in and you can't do it anymore, get out of there. <laughs> because that's important too. But can you imagine that? The worst thing that anybody ever said about you is, you know, I tried to get that person in trouble. I tried to throw them under the bus and they brought me a coffee. That's unbelievable. It doesn't happen. But we can do it. With God's help, we can do it. 
I want to finish my, my offensive story about the beer real quick. Um, so later on that evening, as we're talking about, um, about church and that kind of thing, I, uh, I, I found out that the husband didn't come very often to church, and I was preaching in a couple of weeks. And again, when you're the intern, you get to preach twice. You try to get as many people to come as possible because most people, when they find out the preacher isn't going to be there, they're not going to be there either. So, so I thought I'd invite him to church that Sunday, uh, and I made him this deal. I said, if you come here and preach, I'll drink that beer you offered me earlier. And we agreed, shook on it, and that happened. So a couple weeks later, he came with his, uh, his wife and his two daughters, and it was exciting to see him there in church. Uh, but the real fun came about uh, six months later. I was out uh, in New Hampshire on a week of evangelism. Our, our college went out there to do some service projects for different churches, and I volunteered to go back to the church where I did my internship. And I got a phone call just before we went out there, and it was from Christine, whose two daughters were in my Sunday school class. And she said to me, Scott, are you going to be here Sunday? I said, I am. And she's like, that's awesome, because my two daughters are going to be baptized Sunday. Would you like to do it? Man, it didn't take me but a second to respond. I was so excited. Um, so I get to church, got to baptize them, talked to Christine a little bit off to the side, and she said that her husband had been coming to church ever since that Sunday and come pretty regularly to church, which was an awesome thing. So Jesus is really the hero, man. He, he dealt with offensive people all the time. He had an option to be offended sometimes. Uh, Jesus... Have, have often had people trying to accuse him of things. We know the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and he always treated them with honor. Uh, but my favorite story of Jesus showing honor to somebody was the rich young ruler. For those of you who don't know the story, the man says to Jesus after his teaching, Hey, Jesus, I've done it all. I've kept every commandment. What else must I do? And Jesus said, Sell all you have and give it to the poor. Now the sad part of this story is the rich young man got sad and walked away. But the great part of this story is Jesus honors him. I mean, think about the audacity of somebody to say to Jesus, I've kept every commandment. I've done everything that you've commanded. I just, what else do I have to do? And Jesus doesn't say, dude, uh, December 26th of this day, I'm pretty sure you weren't honoring or following that commandment. Jesus doesn't do that. He tells them what to do next. And ultimately, that's what we're called to do. We're called to honor those. Because life change, which is what we want as a church, we want to honor people because we want to see life change. And when life change happens, we're going to, we're going to get into the mess and the mire of others. Because that's where Jesus is. Jesus is in that mess. And so there's going to be the temptation to be offended. There's going to be the temptation to walk away. But we're called to be there. It's a place where we're going to give up our right to be offended. And maybe more importantly, our right to be right. So that God and the culture of heaven can invade our present reality. And, and, and help us understand that our, our fight is not against flesh and blood, but about spirit. This is where true freedom is, when you get into the mess and you allow Jesus to come in and, and fill that mess with him and his love and his grace.
Uh, if you're listening at home and, and watching this, I, I just want to pray right now for you. If you want to uh, be in a position, the vineyard position to receive, I want to pray that freedom for you. Um, if you're uh, currently somebody that's just sitting where you're, you've got this idea that uh, we should always have something that is offending us. It's uh, not popular, but I, I want to I pray for you right now. Father God, you are a God who can take the things that we're holding on to tightly. Maybe it's our pride. Maybe it's our, our beliefs. Maybe it's our, um, our deep-seated desire to be right. Lord, please just open up and free that from us. Allow us to open our hands to give that to you. Give that to you, not for us, but give that to you so that you may use us to be your servant, to move, to make us more like you, that we can honor those in our lives, whether it be our family, our friends, our co-workers, the kid down the street, whatever that is, Lord, you're there. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, thanks, Scott. I thought you did a fantastic job uh, this morning, for, especially for a first time uh, preaching to our church and to our congregation. So thanks, my friend. Thank you. Uh, you know, guys, what I loved about Scott's message, uh, and you, you really layered this really well through your story of, man, is it okay if I if I do what you're asking me to do? I feel like that's something culturally that you're you're offended by. You were offended by as a young. How old were you when that story took place? Uh, 22 years old, so you were of age, which is good. A couple years ago. <laughs> about 20-some-odd yeah. uh, years ago. Um, if, if you didn't know, Scott and I have known each other for about 25 years. Um, so, But I love that you layered that through. I love Peter's story of, no, Lord, I've never broken that promise to you, God, of, of, of keeping that up. And, um, and just kind of going through there, you know the thing that caught me, though, and maybe this caught you at home probably more than anything else, was that idea of if somebody has has pushed past your boundaries and offended you in some way, take them to lunch. I think that's a really neat idea. Uh, you know, like, where did that strike you? I mean, like, how did that get you this week? I'd say, I'd say there might be a lot of people going out to lunch this week. <laughs> because, yeah, Scott brought me a Starbucks today. I'm wondering <laughs> if I did something wrong. Um, <laughs> but seriously, I think that's a, I, it's almost like a ministry thing, I think, for us this week. Like, so somebody, you know, steps on your toes. Somebody offends you. Somebody goes and, like, gets under your skin this week, take them to lunch, take them to Starbucks, and I think actually that moment of like community with them is probably going to melt some of that frustration and offense away. Would you say oh, that's absolutely. true? Yeah. Um, it's hard to sit across the table with somebody and stay offended, or maybe you can actually have a hard conversation, which none of us want to do, but um, yeah, anyway, thanks for coming. Um, it, wherever you're at, um, you know, we're so blessed by you. If you're in your living room, if you're watching on your phone, if you're watching this two months from now, we're so blessed by you that you, you joined our online community. And we're excited to come back to you next week. We've got a, another week on culture. Who's preaching next week? Uh, this, this guy right here. Oh, I'm going to get ready. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, Cultural confrontation. So yeah, okay. I'm going to talk to us about how we have that uh, that coffee conversation. Yeah. That's, that's next week. All right, everybody. Have a great week, and uh, we'll catch you next Sunday online. Bye.